So why are we so likely to have eureka moments? A time when you sort of get a nagging problem solved, an idea comes together, a hurdle is overcome. Why does it so often happen not when you're sitting alone in a room staring at a blank screen, and I know that feeling very well, um, but happens when you're doing something completely different, a routine, something you do all the time without thinking, walking the dog, taking a shower, and suddenly the mind opens up and a pleasant and perhaps unexpected thing happens. You come up with a good idea or you solve a problem. Well, research apparently shows that this is no fluke. Uh, letting your mind wander or engaging in spontaneous cognition or stream of consciousness thinking, stream of consciousness thinking, experts believe helps retrieve unusual memories and generate new ideas. Now, I don't know a whole lot about this, but Kalina Kristoff does. She's a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of British Columbia, and she joins us now. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Ben. This is such an interesting, um, an interesting field because I think it, it's one of those things that confirms something that people must already suspect, which is the mind operates in curious ways. So how is it that you come up with such good ideas when you're not thinking about them or at least not focused on them? You're absolutely correct. Um, most people have the experience uh, and therefore they suspect that there's something special about these moments when we're, uh, so to speak, idle or at least we believe we're idle, but in some sense, the mind keeps working even when we're not uh, doing something uh, really intensive, uh, mentally speaking, or when we're not trying to get to some place, mentally speaking. So um, the suspicion that people have and what their experience is often is that um, when they're not doing something that's uh, deliberate, they would sometimes come up with uh, novel, interesting ideas that they couldn't come up with as they were trying to before. Yeah, I, I mean, I was reading um, an article that you were interviewed for as well, and they mentioned something called default mode network, which which sounds a bit like a, a bit uh, a bit robotic. But uh, default mode network sounded like an interesting interesting way, kind of the opposite, I suppose, of being very focused and very analytical about a problem that you're faced with. Yes, for sure. So the default mode network is something that um, our lab at UBC has done a lot of work around. And uh, you are right that it's somewhat of a misnomer. It's a default, the default mode network of the brain is the network that becomes activated when we are um, not doing any external task, but when we're thinking about something that's more introspective, uh, such as, for example, memories that we might recall from the past, or when we are daydreaming and mind-wandering, in which case um, we're also thinking about something that's maybe happening in our head, but not in front of us in our environment. And so even though the name for it is default, uh, the, the processes that it engages in are anything but, because they're very active and they're very much internally oriented. And it's in those moments that sometimes we have new ideas that end up being much more creative and novel than uh, what we were able to achieve while trying to work on a task. I know this may be complicated, but what exactly is going on in the brain when we go into default mode? And why, is it, why does it lend itself uh, to a certain amount of creative thinking or more creative thinking perhaps than staring at a screen? Well, that's a really good question. And the default mode network itself is comprised of several subcomponents and um, one of the most interesting parts, so there's usually two or three subcomponents that we could see in the default network. One of the ones that I'm most fascinated about and I find most interesting is centered around what we know are the limbic 
lobes of the brain or the limbic system of the brain. And that is uh, where the hippocampus lies and some of those really ancient structures of our brain um, that are buried internally inside of our brain. But they give rise to a mode of functioning in the brain sometimes that's very internally generated and spontaneous. And so in that mode, uh, which kicks the default network into action, we experience an internally driven reverie or a spontaneous stream of consciousness that leads us to new places mentally. And that's where the origination of new ideas um, is also, also happens. Oh, the brain is such a fascinating, fascinating place, Kalina. The um, can you can you turn this on and off? I mean, I, I obviously in my position, oftentimes I have to clear my head, so I'll go and I'll, I'll stop working for a while and go walk around or just do something routine because it helps me think about how to do an interview. There's only so much research you can do until you have to let it all sink in, right? Um, is there a way that? It, in other words, does the brain know sometimes that you're trying to hit default mode network and refuses to do it for you? I guess was the question. <laughs> Well, that is also a very good question. In general, the brain and uh, our, the mind work, uh, they work in cycles. So we go into these cycles of up and down, sleep and awake, attention and uh, distraction. And that's also the case about the default mode network and another network of the brain that we know as the executive network. So whenever you're trying to um, solve a task deliberately or achieve uh, some kind of a some mental feet uh, deliberately you're using your executive network let's say you're gathering research for a topic um, that's what you're using but because the brain seeks cycles and it needs to um, change its activities after a while that mode of functioning the executive network mode becomes exhausted and uh, more layer more or less naturally it leads you to engage in something different and those are the moments often when the default mode network kicks in and takes over. And so those are moments at which point you might feel that you are spinning your wheels uh, while trying to do something in a goal-oriented manner. You're getting tired. You're not getting anywhere. You're getting in a rut. And those are the moments that might be good to take a break and go and do something different than what you've been doing, both mentally but also physically, because that helps establish a shift in both thinking and our physical activity that then um, helps switch those modes. So to go back to your question, it's hard for us to deliberately switch between modes, but we can create the conditions when we um, sense that we need that shift to help us switch those modes. What sort of activities lend themselves to switching modes? Because I gather one of the things that a lot of people do is they start staring at their phones. And I don't find the phone as a particularly, you know, start staring at, at social media. Or that, that doesn't really kick in default mode, I don't find at least. Absolutely not. And if anything, uh, staring at screens uh, takes us away from the default mode network functioning and that internal um, oriented stream of consciousness because it's an external stimulus. And what's more, it's not just an external stimulus, it's a constantly changing external stimulus. So the, the phone, the iPhone, any device acts as a portal to the external world and that is constantly potentially changing. And so it maintains our attention externally oriented throughout the time, which actually prevents us from switching into that default mode functioning and uh, keeps our um, engagement of default network down. So what we really need is something that we're often tempted to avoid, which is 
a lack of external engagement. And those moments often may feel boring to people or even scary or even may bring up anxiety because uh, so much of our existence is now in front of screens. So what do we do if there's no screen in front of us? Um, so um, the switch can be pretty hard if we haven't done it for a while. And when people have interesting thoughts in the shower, that's often a sign that they and get surprised by them. That's often a sign that they just don't take the time to have spontaneous thoughts away from screens. And, you know, when we get in the shower, the, maybe the five minutes of the day when we're not staring at a screen, suddenly we have a thought. Um, so this is just, you know, in some sense, a sad commentary on our lives these days. That, it is. Uh, taking time away from a screen may sometimes require us to do a task like taking a shower. Yeah, Colleen, I never thought of, of taking a shower as the only time you free yourself from the from the from the bounds of your phone. But you're absolutely right. It is one of the few times that most of us in any given day and walking too. like often if you're walking, you probably aren't looking. So those are the times when uh, most people probably have these these have more random thoughts. Are there any sorts of activities that, that I mean, you, you mentioned the shower, but is it really just a, something that is very second nature to you, very routine, like a walk or walking the dog or taking a shower or whatever. Are those the sorts of things that really are the best without any devices in hand, obviously? Exactly. So routine activities can be very conducive to this mode of functioning because uh, they often give us some physical activity, which can be calming for the mind. Uh, but at the same time, they provide these opportunities in a routine fashion of they, they often create rituals within which we feel comfortable that that is something we do during the day. And they save us from the guilt of uh, not being productive, for example, because that's part of our routine and part of our day. So uh, whatever we do as routine activities, whether it's walking the dog or gardening um, or taking um, going for a hike, all of these can be perfect moments for um, default mode engagement, um, seeking new ideas and so forth, provided that we... Um, protect ourselves from the draws of external engagement. So screens, of course, are one of, that, uh, one of those sources of draw. But the other source is something that I do a lot, is listening to podcasts or right. auditory engagement. So um, uh, something like um, something that draws our attention could be either in sounds or in, in, uh, in our vision. All these things draw us away. Um, so what's important is that when we get into these moments, um, we give ourselves the mental space to move freely within our own minds um, without being exposed to distractions from the external environment. The last question I had for you, Kalina, because I always found that is that sometimes those, those thoughts can be quite fleeting. I mean, sometimes you, you think, oh, wow, I just had a great idea. What was it? And it doesn't come back. And I was wondering what might cause that. Well, that is also an excellent question. And we don't completely understand that. Um, but there is a sense that observing our own thoughts uh, is a pretty crucial moment that sometimes disrupts the arisings of spontaneous thoughts. Um, because in some sense, spontaneous thoughts and novel ideas come from these processes in the brain that are happening at um, at outside of the conscious, outside of conscious awareness. Right. And if we turn our attention very closely onto what's coming out and how it arises, 
that can stifle the spontaneous process of arising, just like observation can stifle any spontaneous process. Um, so in some sense, one of the tricks, uh, if we want to be able to connect better to these spontaneous thoughts, is to not be too forcefully attentive to their arisings and to allow them the freedom to take shape while at the same time preventing external distractions from taking our awareness away from, uh, from what might arise from our unconscious. Go with the mind flow, I guess would be the Kalita Kristoff, thank you so much. It's been, uh, you've explained everything I was so curious about during the day while I was reading up on this. So thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for having me, Ben.